The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you know I'm going to promise you're in the right place because you always are here with Game Changers Radio. Welcome to the debut of our newest series. We recently debuted Future of the Future with Game Changers. The week after that, we debuted... Well, it was Future of Cars with Game Changers, and today it's Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers. So while let's talk about the future, well, let me just do a quick definition of the word future in case you're wondering, and then we'll get started with today's topic. The future is defined as the time or period of time following the moment of speaking or writing. As soon as I paused, that was the future while I was saying Yes, time regarded as still to come. Uh, some people still believe a gypsy can tell you your future. We have a much better solution here on Game Changers Radio. So tune in every fourth week this series will be on for insights from the experts about extended supply chain. Can it be an exciting topic? We say yes. Can it be lively? Yes. Can we have great conversations about it? Yes. Will you learn a lot? guaranteed. So the buzz today, chain, chain, chain. Welcome officially to our new series where we will cover extended supply chain fundamentals, the implications on the buyer's journey, the impact on your organization's alignment and accountability, and the struggle to measure its influence on your bottom line. That last one may matter most to you. Why this series? Extending the supply chain is a topic of growing concern to businesses all over the world, especially with the rapid growth of digital transformation. You hear it all the time. That's what we're going to be talking about, especially today. So join us over the coming months to learn what this means for your business and perhaps more importantly for your industry. What a great panel we have today, starting off with the gentleman at SAP who is sponsoring this series. It's Rick Imber, I-M-B-E-R, if you want to look him up. He's the National Vice President for the Extended Supply Chain Center of Excellence at SAP. And Rick has sent me a really interesting quote from Sam Walton. Those of you who are very young out there or around the world and don't know, Samuel Moore, Sam Walton, was an American businessman and entrepreneur best known for founding the retailers Walmart and Sam's Club. Come on, you've all heard of those. So here's the quote. There is only one boss, the customer, and he can fire everybody in the company from the chairman on down simply by spending his money somewhere else. Rick Imber, congratulations and welcome to your new series. How are you today? Well, I'm doing wonderful, Bonnie. Good morning to you. Good morning. Are you excited? We have so much to talk about. Are you very excited about this, I hope? 
I'm super excited. I, it's a great day to kick off this new series, and it couldn't be with a better group of people. So uh, I'm, I'm ready and thrilled. Okay, so now you sent me a quote from Sam Walton. It's a great quote. It could apply to so many topics, but specifically for a supply chain, extended supply chain. Why did you pick this quote to open the show, Rick? Well, first of all, it's, it's a very famous quote. If you go out and look, at, uh, look up famous quotes, it's usually at the top of the list. And one of the things I was trying to figure out is when was this said? And I had troubles figuring that out. You'd think you should be able to find anything on the Internet nowadays. But I would envision he probably said this 20, 30 years ago. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of guessing. But, you know, I envision that he said this as, you know, it was basically just brick-and-mortar stores. And people come in, and if they don't like their shopping experience, They'll go elsewhere. And it, it's a very, very true statement. But I thought, boy, you know, if he did say it 20 years ago, whatever it was, how insightful, because I think it has only gotten more and more and more true as uh, the years go on. So here in 2016, as customers have unprecedented access to information and prices and, and data and new products and new services and new shopping experiences and 10 different ways to order something from a particular customer, I think, like I said, this statement is more true than ever. Customers are fickle. Their loyalty is at an all-time low because with a tap of a button, they can go elsewhere. So I think it's good for us to remember what Sam Walton said and say, man, the customer is in the driver's seat always, now more than ever. That's why I picked it, and we'll talk about that today, how the extended supply chain and this fickle customer is really changing business. Thank you very much, Rick. Great intro. And it's interesting, as you were speaking about the quotas from so long ago, as so many of the quotes are that our panelists send us. And wouldn't it be nice if there was something that you or the other panelists say on today's show that is quotable in 10 or 20 years? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a lovely thing? I don't know. Maybe somebody will be writing, Rick Imber said this, and we don't yeah. know the year, but boy, he really made an impact. So let, let's come out with some really great words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Rick. Very pleased to be working with you. And now I'd like to introduce our second panelist. He is Michael Yagdar. You want to look him up, Y-A-G-D-A-R, and he is the America's SAP leader at EY, Ernst & Young. Michael sent me a quote from another Michael, Michael Jordan. Full name, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, known by his initials MJ, and he is an American former basketball player, a pro, a businessman, and principal owner and chairman of the Charlotte Hornets. And here is the quote. It's a long one, but sit still. It's really good. Michael Jordan says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Wow, great quote. Michael Yagdar, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about this very powerful quote. It's a great quote, and I'll first start out by saying uh, I'm from Chicago. So Michael Jordan has had a huge influence on me growing up watching the Bulls for years and years, bringing all those championships to Chicago. And so many times with my team and the people that I work with, I use sports as an analogy. It's an analogy for life, and many of the elements of what you make, make you successful in sports makes you successful in life and in business. And what I love about this quote is his courage, his no fear. He's willing to take on a challenge, and it's okay to fail. That's okay. Mm -hmm. He knows he's going to fail, but ultimately that's what makes him 
better and better. And I take that as a, as a great segue into our discussion today. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, but the companies that have the ability to have courage, to not have fear, to try, to fail, but ultimately to succeed, in my mind, will be the companies that will prosper in the future. And Michael Jordan is the first one to admit that he's failed, and actually the one to have, to be that, have the humility to say, I've failed, and have the ability to say, that's okay, I learn from it, and I get better. I just think that's a great way to live your life as an individual, and ultimately for a company to have the humility to understand how to succeed and how to fail, how to learn, and how to get better. And that's why I love Michael Jordan. I mean, his success and his, his um, championships are undeniable. His gold medals, his NCAA championships at North Carolina, his championships with the Bulls, and you know a lot of what made him successful. You know, I try to embody myself and try to become a great team player every single day with my team. And I think as a leader, you need to be able to demonstrate that you have no fear, you have courage, you're willing to learn and get better every single day. So, Bonnie, that's why I love this quote, because it gives me the courage every single day to keep on trying to learn from my failures and get better. And I think it's very relevant to all our speakers and callers on the call today. Thank you, Michael. Very thoughtful and insightful. And I I wanted to say that uh, we have another series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. And one of the things that comes up all the time, Michael, is fail fast, fail often, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, find out what went wrong, try it again, try it differently, don't keep making the same mistakes. And it sounds like Michael Jordan certainly perfected that. I really appreciate it. You know, it's interesting. We ask for opening quotes just as an icebreaker, Michael. And sometimes we end up with these great words of wisdom that are words to live by, and I think you've provided us with both. So thank you very much. Very thoughtful, and welcome to the show. And now I'd like to bring on our third panelist. It is Richard Howells, H-O-W-E-L-L-S. He drives the market direction and positioning of SAP's supply chain management solutions. And Richard has sent me a title of a song, a title of an album, Think Back 1964. Think about the guy with the, I, I don't know if he's wearing a hat, but a lot of curly hair and a guitar kind of rasping into the microphone. I know you're all thinking about Bob Dylan because I certainly am. And here's the quote, the times they are a change. And anybody who's too young to remember Bob Dylan, shame, shame, shame. He's still making really good music. He's an American singer, songwriter, artist, and writer who has been influential in popular music and culture for over five decades. And that's memorable. And that's what we all wish we would be memorable that long. Richard Howell, the times they are a change. And indeed, Welcome back to Game Changers. How are you, Richard? Fine, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me back. Oh, delighted. So talk to me. Uh, Interesting. Are you a big Bob Dylan fan? I am a Bob Dylan fan, but I didn't realize that song was made before I was born. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, it wasn't made before I was born. And I have a feeling there might be at least one other person on this call who remembers that. Okay, so now that you've embarrassed me, go ahead, Richard, talk to me. It was only just before I was born. But uh, There you go. There you go. I, okay, I think that, time. that the, the whole concept of change is, is always happening, and more so now than ever. I mean, digital transformation means change in business. Uh, Rick talked, gave a great quote from Sam Walden, and it was talking about changes in the way we deal with customers, how we sense demand. But we also see changes in the way that we need to design and make and uh, finish goods. And also that we see changes in the way that we deliver goods and services. 
So this whole digitalization of our supply chains and of our businesses means change. And I thought the times they are changing uh, summed that up perfectly. I think so, too. Thank you so much, and very nice to have you back. When were you last on? Do you remember the series you were on? We have 21 different... around the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things. We have 21 series, and I think Internet of Things is now close to the end of its second season, and I'm hoping they come back. So it's been a while. Well, very, very good to cross paths with you again, and thank you so much. Great quote. Okay, let's circle back to Rick Ember. Now comes the hard stuff, Rick. You know what I want to know, because this is part of the Umbrella Show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'd like to know, what are you drinking today? Or what's in your cup? What was in your cup New Year's Eve? It really wasn't that long ago. So talk to me. Yeah. I'm not sure I remember what was in my cup New Year's Eve. <laughs> I probably Touché. shouldn't admit that out loud. Um, you just did. It's just our secret. Don't worry. Nobody let's knows. Let's see. Um, so, you know, I, I can give the, the typical answer and say I've got some coffee in my cup, but I'm really boring when it comes to coffee. I don't care what kind of coffee I, li- I, I drink. I I think it's a Dunkin' Donuts brand, but the reason I don't really care is I put so much darn creamer in there that it kind of loses the flavor (laughs) of the coffee. But I'll tell you what I have sitting next to me. It's become a a big debate in my house. It's these uh, sparkling waters, and my son and I were at uh, Costco the other day, and uh, kind of a big fan of Costco, and they've got two different brands there. They've got something called Sparkling Ice. And they've also got Kirkland sparkling water, the, the generic and the, and the brand name. And my son and I sat there debating which one to get for a while. And they've got different flavors and different prices and this and that. Uh, in fact, my girlfriend was a little frustrated we took so long. I mean, we had a 10-minute discussion sitting there in the aisle, which one to get, which one's better. And so uh, I am sitting here drinking what my son, my son won the battle. And uh, his favorite is sparkling ice. So I'm drinking sparkling ice and it is a delicious flavor called peach nectarine. Ooh. And, and which brand did you end up with? Is that one of the Kirkland brands or what is that? No, that, this is the That's sparkling the real ice thing. is the name of the brand. Um, and then if you look at Kirkland's brand, it's called sparkling water. Actually, it just says Kirkland sparkling. But I went ah. with the brand name sparkling ice peach nectarine and it's got vitamins and antioxidants in it um it's charging me up feeling good well you know what sparkling ice is so cool and with it rick imber that they actually are on twitter at sparkling ice ice all caps and i'm going to tweet right now in between listening to what you're drinking and what our other panelists are drinking i'm going to um I'm going to tweet what you're drinking. So there, we're going to give them a shout-out. How's that? So there you go. Thank you very much, and thanks for the lesson in how to shop at Costco for drinks that you and your son aren't sure you really want and who wins. That's very appreciated. It's yeah, family he, time. He usually wins. <laughs> I, well, we won't admit that, nor will we admit that you drink boring coffee some of the time. Michael Yagdar, uh, what are you drinking right now, or what would you like to be drinking after the show? Well, right now I'm having a bit of Gatorade. So got up early this morning, went to work out. So it's a routine for myself. I have some Gatorade uh, to refresh and rehydrate myself, and it's you know in the theme of just uh, you know back to my my uh, quote Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan being an athlete, and we talk about sports, and we talk a lot about how it influences our lives. I think it's important also to stay healthy. And you know in the, in the crazy world that we live in, you know things are n- never been this fast. They'll probably never be this slow again. And you know, that's uh, something that I try to stay focused on, just be healthy and drinking a bit of Gatorade to rehydrate after I've worked out. 
And uh, it also reminds me, uh, a while ago, years ago, I worked with uh, the parent company of Gatorade, which was PepsiCo, on a big, big supply chain transformation program where they had Frito-Lay and Gatorade and Tropicana and Quaker Oats and Pepsi-Cola brand. And, you know, that was a great experience, great project. And it's something that, uh, you know, very relevant to our discussion today, which was at the time, you know, a supply chain transformation. And uh, so, Bonnie, I'm just having some Gatorade. It's orange-flavored and uh, just enjoying it after a workout this morning. Thank you very much. You sound incredibly healthy, and I envy you. There you go. (laughs) Richard Howells, what are you drinking today? Inspire me. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm sitting here in snow-covered Boston, or just outside of Boston. So my my workout this morning, Michael, was shoveling a foot of snow off my drive. So I've just (laughs) come in from there literally 15 minutes ago. So anything hot is what I'm drinking at the moment. Um, it's, it's quite interesting because I'm a coffee drinker, so I'm Dunkin' Donuts is what I'm drinking, actually. But I go out to mm. restaurants with my wife, and being a Brit, uh, and li- married to an American who drinks tea. So whenever we go to a restaurant, we order a coffee and a tea. And quite stereotypically, I always get served the tea, and she always gets served the coffee. So I'm a British <laughs> coffee drinker. And we know that we know that the waiter is listening to your charming accent. Otherwise, you have to have your wife order it, and with her American accent, maybe she'll. Yes, we know, we know. Yeah, it'll still all be wrong, no matter what. Thank you very much, Richard. Appreciate that. We are talking to a very interesting panel. I think I promised you all in at the beginning this could be exciting and interesting, and indeed it already is. Speaking with Rick Amber, National VP for the Extended Supply Chain Center of Excellence at SAP. Michael Yagdar, America's SAP leader at EY, Ernst & Young, and Richard Howells, who drives the market direction and positioning of SAP Supply Chain Management Solutions. We are debuting a brand new series today. You don't want to miss this. A lot of good information we've already started out with, but the topic, the focus today is digital transformation across the extended supply chain. Somewhere, somehow, this affects your company, I promise you. So you don't even want to think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, because we have a lot more coming up after the break, which will be a, just a quick 60 seconds. Maybe it'll be a slow 60 seconds. I'll have to ask it whether it wants to be quick or slow. Rick Ember and I are going to start the roundtable. We'll do 35 minutes nonstop. All kinds of good information coming out. So stay tuned. And I'm just going to say to our engineer, Justin, out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Rising customer expectations, complex supply networks, and a focus on your business's bottom line make it more important than ever to bring your extended supply chain into the future. Your extended supply chain is one of the most critical components of your business success. From matching supply to demand with efficient order fulfillment to designing and manufacturing amazing products, hear how you can bring your extended supply chain into the future. Our experts discuss how the extended supply chain of the future is producing dramatic results to businesses worldwide. The extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers. We are back. And if you just tuned in, this is the debut of our newest series, as the young man just said, Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers Radio. And that's a mouthful, but we have a lot to say. So we're going to kick off the roundtable portion of the show now with Rick Imber. And let's see. Rick told me before the show a couple of interesting things. He said just about every business on the planet is either transforming the way they do business or they need to. And then he adds, either you go digital in all of your business processes or, wait for it, your competition will come in faster, cheaper, and probably with better quality. Rick Imber, those are, that's a, a very uh, terse warning to laggards or fail-to-adopting companies out there. So talk to us. Why is this so important? Well, you know, first of all, let, let's talk about that word digital. So... I remember, you know, everybody's been talking about the digital enterprise and digital core and digital, digital, digital. And I remember my first thought was, we've been doing digital forever. I don't really get the big deal. I mean, heck, we've had PLCs, programmable logic controllers, and EDI and electronic documents. I'm like, that's all digital. And what exactly are we talking about here? Well, when you think about the extended supply chain, and, and at SAP, we, we define that kind of very broad. We talk about not just traditional supply, demand, and fulfill topics, traditional supply chain topics, but we really say, you know, this is all integrating and needs to be tightly woven with um, design, produce, and operate, how to design great products and, and manufacture them and, and operate your facilities. And... What's happening is we're really seeing that we're able to support not just one little point thing like EDI or PLCs or DMS, but we can really manage end-to-end business processes across the entire extended supply chain. Companies can do this 100% digital. And when you do this 100% digital and remove all the manual processes and remove all the paper-based processes and go out and procure goods and services and and secure uh, outsourced manufacturing or manage your product compliance information or interact with your customers across any channel, kiosks or a brick-and-mortar store or off their tablet, their phone, a catalog. And as we look to offer highly customized products, you really see that it's a very, very complex environment. It gets more and more complex every day. But the good news is we have, we're able to go digital with all of the end-to-end processes and really start to squeeze cost out of our extended supply chain, offer better quality, offer highly customized products to our customers in a timely fashion with you know, same-day or next-day delivery. But the key here is, the key is being able to go digital with your business processes and really eliminating all those manual steps so that you can not only give the customer what they want, because let's remember what Sam Walton said, the customer's king, fire everybody in your company, but do it in a really quick fashion. So that's what we mean by that. So speed is really important. I want to get Michael Yagdar's comments on this. Michael, please. 
No, I I, uh, I love what Rick just said. It you know really resonated with me, and I was just thinking, Rick, as you were talking, you know, I was just thinking about a personal experience and this concept of digital, and it goes back to when when I was growing up, and I remember many times on Sundays, um, you know, a lot of the stores were closed, and you really mm-hmm. couldn't do much on Sunday in terms of shopping. So as an end consumer now, now in a digital world, I'm able to shop anytime I want, and that tr- provides me excellent service or provides me ultimate flexibility as a customer, but what the implications are for companies today is significant. So looking at it from a, from a customer perspective, it's been a tremendous um, change in how they interact and, can, and interact and can have commerce with different companies, but as a company itself providing that, that service, I think Rick is right. I mean, the ability to have the uh, automation and to eliminate some of the um, manual processes associated with the supply chain, that's only going to allow you to provide better service to your customer. And I just remember that being a kid growing up. I remember wanting to go to a store and you really couldn't do much on Sunday except the grocery store, but that's totally changed. And I think this concept of digital will continue to enable that going forward. So that's what it means to me. I love what Rick just said, and it just struck a chord with me personally. Michael, you struck a chord with me personally. I never thought about that. If I want something 24 hours a day, any day of the week, any day or night, and I usually work sometimes till the middle of the night, if I want a question about a product or a service or I want to find out about a company, it's right there at my fingertips. You're right. There's no such thing as closed on Sunday unless you insist on face-to-face brick or brick and mortar walking into a physical store. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's It's right there in front of us, and yet... I don't know how many of us have really articulated that as well as you did. So thank, thank you, Michael Yagdar. I really appreciate that. It's a wow. It's, it's still a wow to those of us who remember those old days. Yes. I don't know if liquor stores are open on Sundays, though, and that's one thing you can't get right away on the Internet, I don't think. Anyway, so let's turn to Richard Howells. Richard, thoughts on what Rick and Michael have talked about? Well, I'll, I'll jump on um, and, and follow on from what Michael was saying around the customer centricity and the, the customer being able to get anything whenever they want online because that sounds wonderful but you have to have the business processes in place to, to, to live up to that promise or deliver on that promise because there's no point having a system, a, a, an ability for your customers mm-hmm. to place an order if it's going to take six weeks to deliver the goods afterwards. That's right. So you have to have the business processes in place and to Rick's point all the way from designing the products to manufacturing the products, to delivering those products, and also operating and supporting those products in the after-sales market to to keep that customer service level up because you get a very happy customer placing an order and a very disgruntled one um, receiving it if it it doesn't happen in a timely manner and the goods aren't delivered when you want it, where you want it, at the quality you want it. Thank you very much, Richard. Rick, I'm going to bounce it back to you. Anything you want to talk about to finish that thought? Because I have something in Michael's notes I want to turn to next. <laughs> well, no, it's just, you know, I'm going to also, you know, relate to a personal experience. I can't tell you mm-hmm. how often I'll be sitting there at whatever time. I mean, I could be on a plane or 11 o'clock at night or whenever. And that's exactly what I do. The second I think, oh, I need to get one of those, it's not like I keep a list anymore, rarely, of things I need to buy at the store. I just, oh, I need to get that. Tap, tap, tap. Got it. It'll be here on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have completely changed the way I consume goods and services. And, um, yeah, so I just want to 
Yeah, I agree completely. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're all in this together. Now, Michael Yagdar, uh, I, I perhaps should have opened the show with this statement from your notes, but it's not too late. Let's talk about the definition, the derivation, the implications of the term supply chain. I know you sent me some comments here about supply chain evolution in the 21st century. Let me just read a little from your notes. You say the word supply chain is really something that evolved formally in the last century. As we look at today's supply chain, it has already transformed formed dramatically in the past generation. We expect supply chains to rapidly evolve evolve across every aspect of the supply chain from planning and procurement to logistics and beyond. So talk to me. What is the derivation? Where did this come from? And I know when Rick wanted to name this series, he insisted that it had to say extended supply chain, which is, is probably the longest series title we have out of 21 different series. And I'm happy to do it. But let's talk about why we need to say so many words. What is it all? Where did it come from, Michael? Well, you know, I, and, I, and I think Rick even said it, you know, it's, it's a pretty broad it's a broad definition. I think if you ask, mm-hmm. you know, 10 different people, you may get 10 different slight definitions. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, we've been talking a little bit about what it is in terms of being able to generate demand, fulfilling demand, and being able to provide excellent customer service. So the whole definition of supply chain itself, depending on kind of who asks, is slightly different. But I think ultimately the way I look at it is, you know, the, the end result, the definition is interesting, but the end result of the supply chain has got to be great customer service. It's got to be a great customer experience. And that hasn't changed. That has not changed in all these years. How you get there, how you achieve it, how you measure it, that's all evolved. And they'll continue to evolve. That's just the way it's going to be. But ultimately, that's the North Star, is ultimately an excellent customer experience in terms of providing a quality product at a quality price and living up to your commitments in terms of delivery and fulfilling the demand. So the, 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 the definition continues to slightly evolve, but actually the end result is the same in terms of excellent customer service, and that's really what we see more and more is, you know, people are demanding instant service in near-perfect quality, and you see that every single day. And if you think about the evolution of supply chain and how it's going to, and that's really the essence of the question, of what's going to happen, you know, in the 20, 21st century and beyond, you know, there's a lot of things to look at. And, then, you know, we've got a, a lens being kind of a, more of a, maybe a North America view, but globally it's going to change as well, too. So as an example, right now about, 60, uh, about you know, 55% of the world's population lives in cities, you know, urban areas. And by 2050, that's going to increase to almost two-thirds. 66% of the world will be living in major metropolitan areas around the world. So just think about the implications of supply chain in actually fulfilling that customer experience. And I think that's, if you look at that as being the trend, you think about the goal being excellent customer service, I think you look at how supply chain is going to evolve to meet that. So, Bonnie, hopefully that's helpful. That's just my personal perspective. It, it has, and I'm going to get the other panelists to chime in, but I want to take it one step further. Let's talk about supply chain customization, Michael, because your notes also say many companies are finding that one-size-fits-all value chains cannot accommodate the needs of their diverse and evolving market, and we've talked about that. So supply chain customization, what does that actually mean? If somebody were if you were giving a test to a young person in business, say, give me your definition of supply chain customization, what would they be saying? Well, I think it, well, if you look at and Gartner, by the way, does a nice job of talking about this trend as well, too. You know, being kind of one of their mega trends. You know, kind of they call it the customer, you know, customer one or the marketplace of one or the customization. 
think it comes down to, you know, focus, there's three legs of the stool when you're operating a business. There's operational excellence, product innovation, and customer intimacy. And I think what you're seeing is that the true differentiation continues to come to customer intimacy. So the supply chain of one or the marketplace of one or the customization of the supply chain really continues to focus and get dialed in on customer intimacy in providing goods and services at the time that you think that they want them you know, at the right price and at the right level of service. So, again, I think it all revolves around customer intimacy as being the, the differentiation for companies today and the uh, supply chain specialization or the customization is really just enabling that. Thank you very much. Richard Howells, love to get your POV on this. What do you think? Well, I think... Uh I think Michael is right around the ultimate goal of any supply chain and any business is customer satisfaction and customer service. But I see us doing it not with chains anymore, but with networks. Mm-hmm. Um, we see networks of suppliers spread all over, around the world. It is a global uh, sources of supply. And having uh, a network of, of suppliers that manage the risk and min- mit- mitigate and minimize risk. If one supplier fails, there's an alternative source of supply. We're seeing outsourced manufacturing and manufacturing networks so that, there, so that uh, many, many companies that we deal with do hardly any manufacturing now when it's all outsourced and they focus on their brand and marketing, for example. But you have to have visibility and collaborate across that network or across that supply chain of, manu- of, of manufacturers to have full visibility of what's going on so that you can satisfy that customer service. And the other area of networks that I'm seeing evolving and, with, uh, and which will be a big uh, push moving forward, are the network of assets. Because we're getting smarter, uh, smarter devices, we're getting visibility and access of data from assets around the world, whether they be smart products that have sensors on, or the smart equipment that is used, uh, used at our customers' sites to, to, uh, to service. The smart retail is an example where you have uh, now vending machines that can mix and match drinks. To, to your personalization example earlier, Michael, uh, I, I can go and have a, a drink of soda and my, my children mix all sorts of wonderful flavors <laughs> in that one machine just by pressing a few buttons and they get a personalized drink. But it's all about having... Uh, having uh, but that, 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 that uh, vending machine then needs to be linked to the network so that, that you can replenish it when, when it becomes short on materials or on, on, on different fluids and liquids. So it's all around networks, connectivity of those networks, and that's where I see the 21st century supply chain evolving to. Thank you, Richard. And I was going to say, if enough people of your children's age ages select that exact same combination, they might also want to make it an automatic combination and start tweeting about it so that people will say, hey, we got to go and get whatever whatever your son's name is. Name it after your kid. Uh, we have to name it after them, and we're going to go because we know this company is listening and cares and has exactly. standardized, right? And, and also, that might be the next f- standard flavor that they put in a can if there are enough children or, or- Millennials yes. usually uh, picking those uh, those different selections. You and I think alike. That's exactly where I was going with it. So they have to be paying attention to the combination of flavors. Thank you very much, Rick Imber. I know you have something to say, and I'd love to know if you have any more personal stories to share with us on on this part of supply chain customization and customer satisfaction. Well, I don't know how personal it is, but of course I have a story, Bonnie. I wouldn't be me if I didn't have a story. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're talking about the evolution of the supply chain, and we touched on it in both 
areas. We talked about, you know, the extended supply chain. I mentioned how we talk about designing new products and planning for their demand and responding to the demand and then producing these products, operating our facilities, and then fulfilling these orders. You know, truly an extended supply chain and picture of that. And while we really like to think involves it in, in terms of this, let's tell a different story. Richard just told a great story about the, um, the vending machines for soda. Um, how about 3D printing? That's always a fascinating thing to me. I remember as little as, oh, I don't know, a few years ago, they were talking about how that would be our future. And now we're seeing it. It really is changing a lot of things. In fact, one simple thing like 3D printing is drastically changing all areas of the extended supply chain. And this is precisely like why we talk about the extended supply chain. So if you think about it, let's take a pasta manufacturer. You can now 3D print pasta. Now, in the old days, they might make five different kinds of pasta and get orders from restaurants or orders from retail facilities and or wholesale, and they would send it out. Well, now that you can 3D print pasta, you could put actually a 3D printer in a restaurant. Well, this is going to drastically impact design because now you need to think through all the possible configurations of the pastas you're going to allow. You know, if somebody comes in and wants a seven-grain gluten-free blueberry pasta to be served with fettuccine sauce, whatever, okay, the person, people making this pasta or the 3D printer for the pasta needs to think of the health, the variants, all the variants that they'll allow, the nutritional value, the, the calories, so we have impacted the design of our product by 3D printing. Also, now that you have the 3D printer out in the restaurant, it's going to drastically change how we look at the demand for this. You know, the restaurant may not even have to order this pasta anymore. We can get signals coming directly from the 3D printer, as much like the Coke or much like the uh, soda machine, um, to uh, bring into our demand. And now as we look to fulfill it and replenish, that's going to be different. No, you know, the way we fulfill and replenish will be drastically changed. And then, of course, service. Now we need to think about getting out there and servicing this uh, particular piece of equipment. And we have sensors perhaps in the 3D printer that will predict when it's going to need service. All of this, all of this, just this one 3D printing machine drastically changes our entire extended supply chain. And this is how businesses need to start thinking of things. Rick, I have to tell you, this is the second time I've heard about that. The first time was when I was interviewing Pat Bakey at SAP. I, I uh, think you probably know who Pat Bakey is on a special internal-only show called SAP Spotlight Radio, and he sprung this on me, 3D printing. I Googled it, as I did just now, and the headline is Pasta Maker Barilla to show off its 3D pasta printer at the Milan Expo 2015, and this dates back to May 5th of last year. And uh, very, very interesting. Interesting. Uh, that's why they named. They announced it actually more than a year ago. For this isn't a novelty. Uh, the pasta printer could actually take up a significant role in our everyday diets. And my comment to Pat, and I tweeted this, Rick, was, "I will never look at pasta the same way again." It's I crazy. Want, I don't printing. want my pasta coming out of a plastic printer. I'm. I'm just sorry. That's just Rick. That's just wrong. Do you agree? That's just wrong. Well, that's a, a story for a di different segment. We could argue that for sure. But, hey, I mean, they're, they're 3D printing chocolate and, and parts for manufacturing processes and jigs. I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. 
and lipstick, too. There was a young lady at Harvard who was doing some research about two years ago who was 3D printing lipsticks. And everybody wanted to know how she was going to get all those color variations in there with the materials for the lipstick and how it was going to come out spreadable. But that is, maybe that's something for farther down in your series. Uh, Michael Yagjar, you want to add one more story before I move on or anything you have to say about this? I'll tell you what, I got another story, but let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. And hopefully, you gotta, you gotta, we can go to a spot where I can tell my story, but, uh, but let's move on. All right. I'm going to move on to Richard Howell's comments. Richard, you sent me a lot of statistics, and we love numbers here. So let's talk about, you say, 77% of executives believe that big data, and you didn't just capitalize the B and the D, you capitalize the whole thing, big data, or maybe I did that in my notes, will be a disruptive technology for supply chains this year in 2016. So talk to me, Richard Howells. Which executives are these? Who is the 77%, and are they right? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think they're right because digitization is, is, is the creator or the friend of big data. I mean, when we talk about uh, digitization of demand, we talk about getting uh, visibility of not just orders and forecasts that we've got in the past from customers, but also uh, the sentiment analysis. What's trending? You gave an exa- we, we talked about the soda example uh, earlier. And when that information starts trending, it's important to be able to capture that demand signal because that's exactly what it is to adjust either uh, the, the planned production of certain products or how you replenish the, the vending machines, as we talked about a little earlier. So mm-hmm. demand data is exploding because of, of, of unstructured data from, from Twitter, from social media, from Facebook, all of these uh, different um, sources. But the Internet of Things is also another area where we're driving considerable amounts of data. Now I have a Fitbit on my hand at the moment, and it can send a message to my iPhone and probably to somewhere on a cloud a hundred times a day of how, many, how much exercise I'm doing or not doing, as the case may be. <laughs> but all of, these, all of the devices in business are also sending information back uh, with relevant information that has big data. If you think of a, of a truck driving down the road, there are hundreds of sensors on that truck. And some of it is sending information regarding the maintenance of the truck. Or it could be uh, about the tire pressure. Or it could be about the content inside the truck that's falling below a certain temperature, which means the materials, of the, the goods are being damaged. But all of this is generating enormous amounts of data. And it's not, it's not the fact that we have lots of data that's the challenge. It's what we do with all of this data this big data. So it really is the the time where all of this data is now available and it's having the tools in place, the analytical tools, the predictive tools in many cases, to to turn that data into information. And the information and the data is different for the different roles that that play in an organization. Rick may want the information in one, the same data in one format in a very granular level. Michael might want it in another format at a monthly level. And you may want it in a completely different format, sliced and diced in a, in a third way. So it's having the tools in place, the analytical tools, the predictive tools in place to leverage that big data and turn it into actionable information for specific job functions, I believe, is, is where the breakthrough will come. Thank you. Rick Imber, agree, disagree? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. So 
in fact, you know, it, it's all about big data. It's been about big data for a long time. And uh, Richard's absolutely correct. If you don't have the tools in place to do something with that big data, analyze it quickly or in real time or in live, for, uh, live format, and also in a way that makes sense for the different consumers of that information at your organization, it doesn't mean a thing. Um, and that's probably why if you go out and search the top 10 hottest jobs out right there right now, I think I read this just recently, uh, data scientist always comes up right near the top of one of the most in-demand and one of the best-paying jobs uh, out there right now. So absolutely, it's, it's hard to argue with what Richard said. And I'll tell you, he mentioned, um, and, and this all has, again, dramatic impacts on your extended supply chain. Um, you know, if you look at uh, this company that makes uh, floor cleaners, these big waxers for the floor, they're putting in 10 to 15 sensors in each piece of equipment. The, you know, a, a shampooing sensor, an engine sensor, a um, brush sensor, and this and that. And they're taking millions of readings per day on these sensor, uh, sensors, and they be able, need to be able to take this information and do something with it. And, um, you know, being able to say and predict, like Richard said, when is this piece of equipment going to fail? When, mm-hmm. How is it optimally running? What can we do to improve quality? What about the chemicals that we're mixing in this piece of machinery? We have access to unprecedented information, but it's all in having the platform and the analytics in place, the dashboards, the real-time information, the predictive algorithms, having all that in place so you can make sense of it. Um, most companies don't necessarily have that, and that is where you need to get for sure. Thank you. Michael Yagdar, I think we hopefully gave you the opening for that story you wanted to tell, or we can move to another topic. What's your pleasure? Well, I'll, uh, you know, I, I, as uh, Richard and Rick were talking, I, um, I thought it was great. And I really made me think about one specific example about big data and information, and that's healthcare. Ten mm-hmm. percent of the world's GDP is healthcare, and it, you know, supply chain healthcare. People sometimes it's counterintuitive. People, what, what do you mean supply chain and healthcare? Well, there is a supply chain in healthcare, and it's really under a massive transformation now. I think Richard mentioned Fitbit and the information on you, real time, and. You know, talking about that information going somewhere, and what if that Fitbit was able to pick up something that's maybe not going well with you? Well, how does that information help improve the supply chain of care to you? And I just I think about it as that's a great you know microcosm or a great uh, focused area where big data in the supply chain can improve people's lives. And that's something that we at Ernst & Young do a lot of. We talk about building a better working world and making the world better. SCP talks about making the world run better or run simple. I think that this concept of putting in um, big data in something like healthcare and turning it from analytics collection to analytics consumption and doing something with the information in a proactive manner to help improve people's lives, I think is something that inspires me. I know it does, and that's why I love doing what I do. So this is a personal story. As I heard it, Bonnie, I just thought about, you know, the real example of where that type of information can make the world better. And that's, I think, what the, that's what we would like to believe is the goal of everything we do, and some of us are lucky to do that, aren't we, Michael? Yeah. Now, Michael, 
We have a few minutes before we morph into the prediction segment at about three or four minutes, but there's a topic here I don't think we've covered yet that we really need to, especially on this debut of Rick's series. Uh, you posed the question in your notes, how has security and cyber impacted supply chains? Everyone is sensitive to security, very. And you say cybersecurity is a top agenda item on the minds of all boards of directors. Companies are having to pay very close attention to the security of their supply chains so they don't have to disrupt the business, customer satisfaction, and a whole lot other things. So, Michael, can you just take us through that quickly of wh where do you see this? Is this a topic Rick needs to have a whole separate episode about cybersecurity and supply chain? Talk to us. Yeah, you know, so that's a great point. It actually ties back to my last comment just on healthcare. As an example, mm -hmm. cybersecurity and the information of people's health and getting that right. to be more readily available in, in big data formats, I mean, the, the, the stakes are high. So as the extended supply chain and our desire for, you know, data and data information, then subsequently the need for security and cybersecurity capabilities to protect that is even more important. And what we see is I see this as two, when I see it, I see it as one of two topics at the boardroom right now for many, many companies. One is the threats of new business models and second is cybersecurity. And this one is something that, you know, what we see going forward, and it's kind of back to the point of predictions that you're going to talk about in a bit, but it's really the, the, the coming together or the integration of cybersecurity and security into the extended supply chain. So to your point, will Rick, you know, become a thought leader on cybersecurity and security as it relates to the supply chain? My prediction is yes, because it's, it's, it needs to be there. Companies will not have the confidence to have the courage to go and make a bold change without having the confidence that it'll be protected and safe because it goes back to the individual customer experience. They can't damage that customer intimacy, and that could be done if not handled prop properly with respect to cybersecurity and security. So, Bonnie, I hope that helps a little bit in my personal perspective on, on how I see the two coming together. Of course it helps. Thank you very much. Rick Imber, we have invoked you or we've channeled you. Quick quick thoughts before we start. I'm going to start the predictions with you in the next minute. So what are your thoughts on uh, cybersecurity for a supply chain? How important is it in your perspective? Perhaps one of the most important things. I mean, we see a, a, a data breach can bring a company to its knees sometimes. And as we look at the entire extended supply chain with web purchasing and point-of-sale information and outsourced manufacturing and contingent labor and purchasing of spare parts, there's a lot of points of entry and a lot of points of vulnerability and thousands of points that you need to consider. And so if a company does not have a comprehensive um, strategy and solutions in place to address not just the cloud security, because, yes, we're putting our IP out in the cloud. Bet your rear end it needs to be secured to protect your IP. But then we're also still going to have on-premise solutions and information going back and forth. So we need cloud security and we need on-prem security. Our products and solutions need to be compliant and secure in that. And then last but not least, you need to have a complete corporate security and IT governance in place to manage things like ITAR regulations. Yeah, <laughs> to say, to put it lightly, it's extremely important. 
Thank you very much. To put it lightly, extremely. I like that juxtaposition. <laughs> and, Mr. Imber, that leads us right into our predictions. And it's time for me to ask you, what do you see coming down the road if we, this exact panel met on this exact topic at some point in the future? And I think you remember, Rick, that I love the year 2020, which is, my goodness, so close to a, to today. It's just coming up on us so fast. It was always 2020. Thank you, Barbara Walters. Way off in the distance. And now it's not too long in the future. So what do you see coming up in 2020 or any future point you can see clearly in the crystal ball, Mr. Imber? What do you see will be different? I'm going to give you one minute for predictions. What's going to change? Go. (laughs) I was going to say what's going to stay the same, Uh, uncertainty. I think a lot of things will be changed and and our future is a bit uncertain. We're going to continue to see lots of mergers and acquisitions between companies. You know, we've recently read about Dow DuPont, Kraft Heinz. These have dramatic impacts on the extended supply chain, meaning to make sure you have a a infrastructure in place to support M&A. We're going to see economic volatility, at least here in the near future, with the strong U.S. dollar, heck, El Nino, resource scarcity. Uh, In fact, resource scarcity would be my last one, whether you're talking about environmental and social responsibility or compliance. I just see a lot of uncertainty in the future, and I know that's maybe even a cop-out. I wish I could just point to one thing and say, this is going to happen, and people would be quoting me for the next 20 years, as we mentioned earlier, but uncertainty is what I'm going to point to. Well, I appreciate that. That's a, a very bold and honest statement, and I hope that you're going to schedule a an episode around security issues because I think it's very, we've agreed it's very important. So I'll look forward to seeing that on your editorial calendar. And now let's turn to Michael Yagdar at EY. Michael, I can give you just about one minute for predictions. 2020 or any time you see in the future, go. No, I think uh, what Rick said was great, just because there is a lot of uncertainty. And it, you know, I was going to just Google, you know, predictions from a hundred years ago or fifty years ago. What did they say? I'm sure there was something similar. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. And you know, what always comes back to me is the customer experience. Those companies that are truly focused on the customer experience and the customer intimacy will win. And I'll give you a specific example. There is a store in Chicago. It's called ABT. It's a consumer a retailer store. It started in, you know, in the city of Chicago as a small shop, and they've provided excellent customer service for going on 70-plus years. They've grown and grown and grown as a single store in a very competitive environment. They make a great customer experience, so whenever I want to buy a toaster, I know where to go. I'm going to ABT. And I just share with you, Bonnie, to say the prediction that I have is those companies that really focus on that North Star of customer experience will ultimately survive and thrive. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Richard Howells, I saved a minute for you. Predictions, please. Okay. Well, I I think uh, one of the big things that has to happen is that omnichannel fulfillment has to catch up with omnichannel sales to be able to deliver on that promise. Because I think we're we're, going to be in a world where, where everything is digitized, Every, everything and everyone is connected, so all of the assets will be connected, all the people will be connected, all the companies will be connected through the Internet of Things. I believe that there will be much more ability to share and collaborate because as everything moves to the cloud, it should be easier to, to collaborate and share with the appropriate security, to the earlier point. Um, and I think everyone will be looking for a personalized experience. I think that's not going to change. I think it's going to be more and more, and the people that can come up with unique ways of differentiating themselves uh, with with their customers is going to win. 
Thank you very much, all three of you. Rick Imber, I saved one minute for you to give us a preview of what's coming up next. Your show will be back on air in a couple of weeks. So what's coming up uh, next on Extended Supply Chain of the Future with Game Changers? Rick Imber? So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the different pillars of uh, the extended supply chain. We're going to get into demand-driven business planning and response and supply orchestration and fulfillment. Then we'll get into design, manufacturing, and operational excellence. We're going to dive deeper. That's what's coming next, Bonnie. Thank you, Rick. And I want you to promise me that you will bring interesting, engaged, lively, and fun panelists like the two you invited today, Michael Yagdar at EY and Richard Howells at SAP, because this was, I thought, a really good conversation. And Rick, we want to make sure everybody knows that extended supply chain of the future is a very interesting topic, and we can have very interesting conversations. So you agree with that, Rick? Absolutely. And we'll even try and have a couple surprises for the uh, listeners coming up. So be sure and tune back in. I love that. Thank you very much. So a shout out from me to Rick Ember for signing up for this series. We're so delighted to have you on board as your own series. Yes, it is a very important topic and we will make it interesting and lively. We've been talking about digital transformation across the extended supply chain. Hope you all glean some information from this. And let's see what we've got. My quick predictions are Tuesdays, 10 a.m. That's this time slot. Here are the four shows that will alternate times, alternate weeks. Social Selling with Game Changers, The Future of the Future with Game Changers, the future of cars with game changers and extended supply chain of the future with game changers and coming up i'll be back on air in one hour and that time slot today is digital industries changing the game next week it'll be business network innovation aha with game changers and the week after that financial excellence with game changers and wednesday of course coffee break with game changers i'm bonnie degram thank you so much to everybody who tweeted really appreciate it rick a shout out to shane on your team for working on this episode and a shout out to justin and the business channel team for getting us on the air here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today already let's see how new hampshire works out kids stay tuned i'll talk to you in an hour bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to the extended supply chain of the future with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.